Camera, and welcome to the Dice Breaker Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Mears, and today I'm joined by Chase Carter, also known as our Texan boy. Yeah, howdy. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's just two pards on the ranch today. Yeah, yeehaw. Yeehaw, it's everybody. Another, another fine day on the ranch, the Dice Breaker Ranch. Uh, and we've been rearing some uh, excellent uh, bold game news and reviews and more. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> yeah, you sound you sound like a uh, uh, like yeah like a cattle baron who's just like looking out mm. over his ten thousand yeah. acres and just be like everything the light touches, my son. That one's yours. Yeah, I'm the cattle baron, and I'm wearing like a big hat and mm-hmm. a, a white suit with like sparklies and uh i'm like looking over the ranch and then you're like mucking out the cow house or whatever oh uh, that would be a barn the cow house is called a barn thank you very much yeah for making me not your second hand or not some like you know uh <laughs> i'm just the, the 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 crap mucker in the cow house yeah. aka barn yeah, you're the red hand. <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah, it's everything I've ever wanted. Uh, so yeah, so it is just us today. Um, Mr. Jarvis is unwell, unfortunately. Uh, so thoughts and prayers sent in his direction. Uh, so yeah, we're going to try our best to make this an enjoyable experience mm-hmm. for everyone. Um, well, please do uh, put... To chat to us we're we're filming this live uh suggestions etc mm-hmm. um if you're not listening slash watching to this live you should we are on uh youtube slash dicebreaker 2 p.m bst every friday we do this and it's much more fun to experience it live because then you can interact with us and stuff but um yeah. later on we're going to be doing a really fun segment that uh, Mr. Jarvis actually came up with, so we're going to do him proud, uh, involving uh, an AI uh, and your suggestions. So if you have any suggestions for board games, tabletop games, etc., try and keep it in that ballpark of, uh, yeah, titles that you would want an AI to generate, perhaps a story, possibly called a fan fiction. Mm-hmm. Um, then please do put it in the chat because we want to hear your suggestion. I cannot wait for the Rainyard Kinesia slash fic that we're going to make. <laughs> I don't know how you feel about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were talking about him yesterday mm-hmm. uh, and then I did a Rainyard Kinesia impression and Matt, uh, sorry, Chase was like, oh my God, that's spot on. Yeah, I cannot wait for just a, a slightly horny German accent from you. <laughs> I don't know what a horny German accent is, but uh, we'll, we'll find out. I will try my best. But uh, thank you to everyone tuning in. Hello. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to start chat. off with just talking about what we've been playing um, this week. By the way, yeah, this is a podcast about tabletop gaming. <laughs> just in case this happens to be your first episode of it, it's God Save You. I can't I can't remember the last time we've done an episode that was like a good first episode. Everyone is just sort of like push you off the 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 diving board directly into the deep end of whatever whatever yeah. we have going on that week. Whatever rubbish we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Especially when I'm in charge, you never want to be that deal first podcast. Oh be one of those. Well, I mean, we had Liv last time, but remember the last time we made what was that stupid? I, I'm not gonna. I swear, I'm not gonna re rebake this. But like, what was that CGI? Yeah, we were, no, we were movie. Uh, we were talking about doing a tabletop role playing game of Flushed Away. Flushed Away, yeah, Flushed Away too. Mm. <laughs> Liv is hosting this. And she's just put in the chat, flushed away in all caps. Yeah, thank you, Liv. Yes, flushed away. Uh, yeah, yeah. We, we role played some flushed away, the, the tabletop. Yeah, with the world's fastest role playing session of flushed away. So that's our baseline that we're kind of working with this this week. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we don't have Liv to kind of calm things down. Also, we don't have Liv to make things more chaotic. So I don't uh -huh. know what, because Liv was like, we're just turning this into a flushed away tabletop role playing game podcast now. And I was like, oh, okay, nearly. Like, I, I'm not the one driving this particular steam train off the rails this time. I don't know what to do. <laughs> I've got to yeah. be Matt Jarvis now. Yeah, one of Liv's greatest strengths is being able to immediately say, yeah, this is the direction we're going. Yeah, whether, that's, whether that is good or whether that's directly yeah. off the on-ramp and into the lake. Yeah, this choo-choo train is going directly into <laughs> Chaos City. Um, once again, if you have any suggestions for our segment, where we're doing AI fanfic, please put it in the chat and we will make note of it. Um, in the meantime, Chase Carter mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. On, on live at the ranch. Yeah, board game ranch. We're, we're looking out over the horizon, looking at those yeah. uh, those beautiful board games as they yeah, the, graze the in the morning sun. Yeah. <laughs> what have you been playing this week? Uh, tell uh, us. Yeah, so I've been playing a little bit. First off, and, you know, it's a shame that none of the vid team are here to, uh, you know, Liv's hosting, but it, none of the vid team are here to sort of, like, join in my discovery because mm -hmm. they, uh, a couple months ago, fell in deep in this hole, thanks to Maddie. I played Frostgrave uh, mm -hmm. for the first I mean, time I've with a friend. as well. So... Oh, that's true. Yeah, you have, so you can talk. <laughs> okay, so how do you feel about Frostgrave? What's your what's your Frostgrave feelings? My hot, my hot Frostgrave takes. Yeah um yeah so i think it's pretty good i mean i've not um sorry i'm getting suggestions um i've not played a miniatures game before frostgrave frostgrave mm. is my first like proper miniatures game i've played like D D, um like third edition which is like not third edition 3.5 3.5 i think it's yeah. 3.5 because no one really played fourth because oh Listen, if you want to get some hot fourth takes, we can go down that road. But um... oh my goodness, maybe what are all the chat thinks? Should we do some hot fourth edition takes? We can get into it. Um, but yeah, three point five is like the one that is like really, really granular with its movement and positionality and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, I played three point five with like a proper map and like terrain and everything. Mm -hmm. And um yeah uh that that's kind of was the closest thing i've done to like a miniatures game but like frost game was the first miniatures game i played yeah and it's it's really good i mean yeah. like you know listeners viewers of the podcast are familiar with the fact that we do like mm -hmm. there are some great frost game video you can watch right now not Absolutely. right now after the podcast but, yeah um uh and it's just a really fun it because it's not so focused on having a huge huge armies you know uh like warhammer often is you know obviously you've got age of sigma which is more like a skirmish type game uh which is deliberately like trying to 
remove itself from that kind of yeah they both got i think both like the fantasy and the science fantasy have like their versions it's kill team for 40k and then war cry for sigmar which is like you have eight to ten dudes instead of yeah yeah 25 or whatever yeah and it's just like okay we're gonna play this game for 10 hours and we're gonna roll for like every single one of our units yeah we'll just pull Um, this table off to the side for a week until we can meet back up again um but with frostgrave you know you've got like a wizard who's your main person Mm-hmm. And then you've got an apprentice who can kind of do similar things, but it's harder for them to do that. And then you've got yeah. your little mercenary sort of scrubs um, or squirters, as I sometimes call them. I just use the term. I use the term squirter to describe a variety of things, but uh-huh. mostly like little guys. Is it? Is it because like you know a, a certain generation of people call like little tots like oh squirt squirt yeah yeah it's not anything else it's just it's just that but you verbalized it they're not a squirt they're a squirt Mm. (laughs) Mm. it's just that james it's like goobers like i use the the, the word goober language has meaning people are going to hear it and they're going to derive meaning from it it's not my fault um (laughs) you know you make of it what you want um but yeah, and the, the game Frostgrave really hinders off like you can cast spells, and it's like mm-hmm. you can customize your um, your wizard to kind mm-hmm. of do certain types of spells, and that's a really fun element. Uh, you know, whereas again for Warhammer, your units will have very each unit will have very specific things that it can do and stats, uh, and same with Frostgrave, but it's like lesson like. Your all of your mercenaries will will only really be able to do things like move, and then they can use whatever weapon they've got. Just get a little some of, them, some of them can give you like health potions, but it's it's your your wizard and your apprentice who are like the main com. So you've only really got two complicated units to manage. Like yeah. all the rest, it's very simple. But um, that's enough from me. How do you describe it, Chase? Yeah. Um, okay. So my favorite thing about Frostgrave is that the um, the thing that you're going for is not to just destroy the enemy team. There are treasures on the map, and your goal is to collect those tre- treasures and then book it to the edge of the board so you can get out of there. Um, which is nice because it like combat is not the main focus. The goal of the game is not to take your little plastic figurines and smash them into each other, mm. which changes the game quite a bit it changes the tactics of how you're deciding what you want to do because in building this like in setting up the game you choose where you want to place these treasures and both players we play 1v1 you can play both multiplayer which seems like very yeah, fun we've chaos. Done it. We've, we've played i've played like a proper four player version oh, the politics player. inherent in four player games you're like hey if you take out that person i'll let you have that treasure and i'll just get away i like <laughs> oh, i love that sort of aspect to it but uh, yeah, so it you don't you're not out to kill the enemy team outright though you, you could no. if you wanted to, but you wanted to get these treasures and get back because that's going to give you money to sort of upgrade your units to like buy more yeah. units that pass away or you know get slaughtered on the field. Like it's it all is... sorts of things because those oh, yeah. can like they contain money, but they can also contain like tomes which get some mm-hmm. new spells. Yep, uh, they can contain like potions. Yeah. Um, various, like some of them can contain like rare items. Um, it's funny because what you get from the chest is entirely decided by a dice roll. 
Yeah, I'm I'm gonna get to the dice rolls in just a okay. second. Yeah, okay. I have I, that's like my one kind of like little <laughs> nag about the game. Um, yeah, I guess I can say it now. It uses the d20 for attack rolls, and I think the dice range of a d20 is not great for attacks. Okay. I think like at least maybe, and this might be mitigated at lo later levels after because we're we're just starting off a campaign, me and a friend. So like, I mean, there were times where like we this person was set up my friend was set up with a really good sort of like tactical position and then the the d20 just sort of fudged their role and they rolled low and it's like and then like i moved a little thug which is like the free unit that you can put it doesn't cost you any money to just like grab a bunch of street thugs and just be like hey kid yeah. you want to make you you want to go out and collect some treasure yeah it's it's like my wizard who is his name was calcifestus the grim he's a necromancer and so i just oh, imagine this like right. curmudgeonly old man with like a, a grave digger shovel on his back going through the streets and he's like hey kid you want to go make some treasure and the little kid's like oh yeah grab some daggers and just like follows along and then he just goes out there and dies but yeah. if the dice roll is nice enough to you you could absolutely just waylay a larger unit that your opponent spent some money on because of the swingy nature of a 20-sided die. Mm. And that doesn't feel, it can feel not so great, uh, especially if you spend your time like maneuvering your units around. Because Frostgrave is one of those games where like you're busting out a measuring tape. You're like, all right, I've got six inches of movement. They can move three inches that way. And then I'll like sightline this way and do four more inches that, you know, which is cool because you can set up some really nice tactics. But... That D20 does sort of like you could do everything 95%. And then that last 5% is just like you rolled a four and it's nothing. Yeah. You do the same thing for spell casting, but the, the the mitigating feature is that you can supplement your health of your wizard and be like, all right, I I needed to roll a 14 to cast this spell. Uh, and you rolled an 11. You can just subtract three hit points and match that up to a 14 and be like, yep, I just sort of like, you know, stabbed my hand with a dagger, did a little sacrificial bloodletting, and that spell went off, which is. A trade-off and i wish there was some more trade-off functions for combat as well yeah i mean if you roll low enough then it's like it's not worth it because you're gonna have to subtract so much of yeah. your health that you're basically putting yourself on death's door but yeah. um yeah i find the game can be very swingy as well i think the best way to approach it is because it's a lot of the game is very you like yolo yeah <laughs> just chaos you know, one minute you're, you're good and the next minute just a, a Yeti will turn up and you're like, well, now now I'm screwed. Right. Uh, or you're or you're trying to cast a spell and it just completely backfires on you. And then you take um, five damage because your spell just blew up in your face. Exactly. Like so, a Looney Tunes shotgun. I think the way to go into, like, the way to go into Frostgrave is very much just being like, this is going to be fun. Mm -hmm. I can't put, because I've gotten salty from playing Frostgrave before, <laughs> where I've just had, I just rolled, there was one session I was playing, and I was just rolling so badly. Yeah. And I was just like, I honestly don't know how it can be worse. Like, yeah. this, this is awful. Um, and I think, again, it's just like a lot of games, the best way to approach it is just like, well, it's a game. Like, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm if I'm not yeah. having fun, then maybe I should reevaluate things. But um, yeah, no, I I really like it. It is funny. It is yes. Chaos. It was a lot of fun. It is, I think, if you have never played a miniatures war game, like it is, but you have some experience in tabletop RPGs, it's a nice bridge over because you do do some character creation with your wizard. You get mm. to come up with like um, you know, you come up with a name, you choose their class. There's like 
10 or 12 different classes of wizards with like yeah basically spell domains that go from everything from like thaumaturge to necromancer to summoner to artificer uh and you'll get to choose spells from within that uh spellcasting domain and also outward so you get a lot of like variability to make up basically your class um it's just defined by the spells that you have which was honestly like the most fun element because as a necromancer i took the spell called wizard's eye so i could like oh, put a, that put, thing is oh wizard's eye is fantastic horrible. because we had a treasure that was essentially right in the middle of the map and it was surrounded by some ruins and trees and so i put my wizard eye on like one of the flat pieces of ruins facing inward and so my my necromancer calcifestus the grim holding a <laughs> shovel just sort of like hunkered back behind and was casting spells through the wizard eye and waited until someone was dead and then just like jumped out of there raised a zombie possessed them with a demon and then ran back into hiding while his demon possessed zombie just sort of like started waylaying people left and right in the middle of that map which was a, a lot of fun like <laughs> it's it's like that's that sort of chaos that you're talking about that like this game is very much tactics based but also has that sort of creative like there's room there's broad room for like just zany throwing fireballs in the middle of bs which so if you've never played a tactics game i think and something we haven't mentioned it's miniatures agnostic so like you yeah. don't need to buy a warband of warhammer 40k whatever you don't have to spend 120 dollars on plastic on you know branded plastic to play this game you can grab whatever mm. uh you can go to your you, you know the hobby shop or like even like a, a a craft shop and buy some little figurines and it may just be a bunch of like you know little scotty dogs but those scotty dogs are now your army for yeah. Frostgrave if you wanted to and it's fine it's whatever yeah there are official Frostgrave minis that, mm -hmm. that we were sent some by osprey um oh. that are good um we built our little little um bands war bands with them um so you can kind of you're like oh yeah this is my you know my treasure hunter this is you know my common fog etc mm -hmm. but um yeah you can also just use whatever i think um maddie said at one point she just used like little legos <laughs> like lego people so um yeah osprey games their miniatures are their miniature games are, are like that they yeah. are pretty much all miniatures agnostic they have miniatures that you can buy if you want to but all you really need is just a book and like they're mm -hmm. pretty affordable as well so um osprey games is very much doing the kind of accessible yep. miniatures games because they're also designed to be a lot you know a lot easier to kind of learn and get your head around um so yeah no we we really like osprey games you know maddie was talking about silver bayonet last weekend like which is week. another joseph a mccullough who's the designer of frostgrave which mm. is i think uh, it's like a napoleonic weird it's like Na napoleonic wars meets uh uh cosmic horror right mm. yeah 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 it's napoleonic wars meet cosmic horror yeah which is um, fun where you're fighting like werewolves and vampires and stuff um which is again like some i would say like the setting of frostgrave isn't particularly and like imaginative it doesn't have that is one thing you miss out on compared to warhammer is it doesn't have that kind of deep yep. lore it's very much like you can kind of make up your own stories in, in there um there are campaigns like book campaigns that you can mm -hmm. play that kind of have more of a story to them 
but um, at its core, there's not like this huge, there aren't tomes and tomes and tomes um, of, of law for you to kind of go Which through. Might be a might be a positive for some people. Yeah, it might be a positive yeah, yeah. for some people, but they don't need to understand a load of law to really play it. But um, yeah. I'm glad you enjoyed it. What did you what did you roll? What did you get in your treasure? We so we stopped, we we went until like late and we were like, all right, so we have our treasure. We'll wait to roll until the beginning of the next section. So that's like okay. our that's sort of our impetus to play again is to figure out what treasure we have. But I ended up getting three of the five, so I edged out ahead. Good. Yep. Three treasures. My goodness. Oh, I'm gonna be a rich little guy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean you'll get something in there. there. There's no like empty option from what I know. So you'll yep. get something, but um you know, I've I've been lucky enough to kind of get some tomes in the past, which is like one of the best things that you can find in that because it just gets you access to new spells. Right. Um, you do need to spend experience to learn those spells. Uh, you don't just get them and use them immediately. But getting experience in Frostgrave is also really really easy because you can mm. get experience like I think you can get experience even if you fail to to hit someone with like a spell as long as you like cast something then you then you get the experience so yeah um, it's sort of a catch-up mechanic like even if you don't win you're not gonna like fall behind someone who just yeah. is absolutely crushing game after game the only thing is obviously if you lose units that aren't free then you have to pay to hire ones to replace the the ones who died and if you don't mm -hmm. have money yeah <laughs> it's tricky um but uh what else have you been playing chase yeah, I'll quickly run through this. Uh, so I picked up Cascadia from my local game shop and played Ooh, it. Uh, yeah. So Cascadia came out last year, 2020? No, I think it came out last year. Um, 2021, yeah. Yeah, 2021, sorry. Uh, from Flat Out, uh, designed by Randy Flynn. It's, uh, you know, it's from my neck of the woods. It's a game, well, I say that, but America is very big. Um, mm. It's a game set in the Pacific Northwest. It's sort of a tile, tile placing, tile, uh, 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 like not auction, but you're building a sort of like tiles from a group and then you place them to build out the landscape of the Pacific Northwest to build out these different habitats. And at the same time, you're picking up these tokens, which have one of five creatures, elk, salmon, birds, bears, and foxes. And you place them within those ha those tile habitats, which can have up to three different kinds of creatures in them, but you just place one. And you're trying to, you're trying to hit certain, um, like runs like for salmon at least in the base rules like you want to get like four in a row for the elk you want to try to get uh you can get more points for one two or three the bears want to go in pairs together so like right next to each other the birds want their own space uh so there's all these rules and these rules can change game to game you can kind of flip them out with different cards but essentially the base game is every turn you pick a tile and you pick a token and you add the tile to your habitat, you kind of like set them next to each other, and then you place one of your little uh, animal tile or animal tokens onto a habitat. And at the end of the game, those will give you uh, points based on how you arrange them. Uh, so it's all about sort of like picking what's best, putting it in your little thing, and then optimizing your points. Um, but like, because you draw them from a bag and it's sort of random, you're never quite sure out of like the four that's available, what you're going to get. And so there's a lot of sort of like, best laid plans sort of best intentions and then those falling apart you needing to salvage as many points as possible from like what's left on the board um you do have there is like a sort of like secondary currency that you can earn that lets you like pick 
because normally like there it's like four and they're sort of arranged vertically and whatever tile you get you have to get the associated token there is a like a secondary currency that you can use to sort of pick and mix between them uh but those are like very very sort of like costly and you don't get them very much so like you want to save those for like really prevo picks um out of the four uh, it's very like i mean on its head it's a very simple game that is like i think mechanic uh sort of mechanically deep as like how much you can sort of like think and plan uh my, i've played a few games just by myself because it has a fairly i think it's a really nice solo mode and i'll talk a little bit more about that in a second um but like at first i was just sort of learning the rules and it's just very fun to just sort of like kind of go in auto mode and just sort of like all right i know the rules i'm just gonna like kind of pick and just see how this goes didn't really think about it too much and i was like oh neat i have a fun little uh little arrangement of tiles and tokens on here that's very fun and then my next two games i really started like trying to think ahead three or four moves plan out like okay i've got this one tile it's a it's because tiles can have like say um half of it's a mountain and half of it's a river and so you'll place that and be like, okay, I want my river to sort of flow this way and my mountains are going to build out the other direction. Uh, even though I don't see any tiles that are mountains or rivers coming up, I'm going to leave this alone and sort of build the other direction, knowing that I'm, I'm going to come back to this once those tiles really come up in my favor. And so if you're able to like know kind of how the game functions and you're able to think three or four turns ahead, it is rewarding in like, you know, making that plan, sort of doing that gamble and having the tiles turn up and just like, slamming that uh that one little tile and token you need at the right moment um so yeah so it is a game that is i think easy to teach the rule book is very thin as far as like you know what you need to actually start playing the game but you can really start to think and strategize and it rewards um a lot of careful planning one of my favorite things uh someone who plays a lot of board games solo because my partner eh, likes board games but ends up not being as interested in them as i am is that it has a fairly I'm not gonna say robust, but a rewarding solo mode. Mm -hmm. um, playing the game on your own is fine. I, I think it's pretty good, but it wouldn't be as effective, I think, effective if it didn't have achievements in the back. There is in the back of the rule book, a list of different achievements where you you sort of pick different cards, which tell you how the different animals are gonna score points and you mix those up and uh, try to play the game and try to hit a certain score threshold with these sort of specific rule sets. Uh, as you go deeper in, there are sort of things like don't play any elk. And even later on, it's like only use three of the five creatures. Do not play any of the two creatures, but still try to score like 80 plus points, which can be very difficult if you don't have access to, you're basically cutting out 40% of the tokens uh, that are in the board that might show up. And so like every play kind of needs to be optimal. Um, so it's again, it just is an those achievements are an added wrinkle on top of like, okay, I'm not just understanding this game, but I'm pretty dang good at it now. Like I'm consistently getting a good score and those achievements like put certain frameworks and like limitations on what you can do. And you need to see if you can still play to that level with those limitations on top of there. Uh, and there's like something like, I think like 50 or 60 different achievements that you can run through with different permutations of the rules. So if you really like Cascadia, like if that, that sort of like tile uh, drafting and placing game sounds interesting, there's a lot of replayability in this game through the achievements. And I, I really like it. Mm, yeah, I, it's, it's definitely one of those games that has been talked about, mm -hmm. like it's mentioned in various circles recently it's been nominated for a spill the yaris yeah. award which is like the biggest accolade a board game can can receive 
Mm. Um, and I definitely heard the name Cascadia pop up. Uh, it's also got like a really lovely art style as well, yes. which certainly helps with that. Yeah, that Pacific Northwest flavor. Um, animals is always a great pick. Wildlife, you know, we've been seeing a lot of that recently with Wingsman, um, with mm-hmm. uh, like Mariposa, um, with oh god, what other? Um, oh, there was Keystone, which is the the Rose Gauntlet game. Parts as well, the whole parts. parts. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like recently we've been seeing a lot of the kind of animal ecosystem wildlife um, vibes which is nice Um, but it sounds really good it sounds again like one of those games that is easy to kind of play easy to learn but like there's definitely there's definitely you can get good as it were um i'm intrigued i wonder if there's a digital version of it somewhere it would be honestly it'd be very it's a game that i wish would come to like board game arena because mm. it's not it's not a complicated sort of like uh me- not mechanical but like uh, uh component wise there's not a lot to it you have the tiles you have little animal tokens and you have the little secondary currency and then the cards with the rules on that's it it's not it's not a chunky game sort of physically so i wish that there could be like a really good digital it would even work on like consoles or pc i it, like much the same as like Wingspan, I would love to see it get a Wingspan-esque thing with like some nice animations and like outdoor sounds and like the, because they also have the animal facts on there and a lot of information about the creatures themselves. So it's mm. like super oh, nicely Wingspan into vibes. Yeah. yeah. So who did the, who did the digital version of Wingspan? Um, um, no, that was Root. Um, someone, someone did it. Something, monster something maybe? Monster Crunch, yeah. Monster Crunch. Crunch. So hey, hey, Monster Crunch. Look at Cascadia. Do the same yeah, thing there. Y'all did. Cascadia. Y'all did a good job with Wingspan. I feel like Cascadia has has the potential to to kind of go down that that Wingspan route of like with expansions guess, and stuff. Well, Dan, like its theme is along mm-hmm. with like a big reason why Wingspan is is as popular as I think is because its theme is like nice you know like people yeah. are like oh cute birds like oh cute animals mm-hmm. and uh, you know that that does help a lot because people will look at the box and go oh this feels like something i could play mm-hmm. um and also you know again it sounds like it's very accessible very straightforward which again is another part of wingspan's success it's kind of owed to that so i wonder if we you know this will be interesting to see where this goes Especially um, if it if it wins the Spiel DRs, like that's yeah. basically the ticket into uh, uh, a more broader acceptance and success. I mean, look, Wingspan since then has like outsold Scythe. It's been on television shows. Like it has basically yeah. become, it's almost entered into this, like if you hear about board games, you'll hear about Wingspan, Wingspan at a certain yeah. point. Yeah. yeah, so, and um, Randy Flynn, who designed Cascadia, uh, mm-hmm. has another board game coming out called Tabriz um yeah which we've written about on the site that looks very interesting it's about like persian carpet you're a persian carpet merchant <laughs> um and that's coming later this year or maybe even next year uh and it will be at like gen con and probably Essen. so uh maybe you can you know give that a try uh, definitely put himself on the on the to to watch pile um anything else chase 
Yeah, a couple other things I'll hit really quickly. Um, I'll I'll use Lost Cities as the uh, the sort of segue between me and you. Um, a few weeks ago now, but like since we I was last on the podcast, I got together and I drafted with my buddies. We drafted uh, Battle for Baldur's Gate, which was the commander focused set of Magic the Gathering, um, and it was a lot of fun. We like my, my group of friends that I play Magic with. We do commander a lot. Um, and we used to draft, but we sort of segued from drafting into Commander and we play Commander. So this was like the nice sort of like melding of the two ways we normally play Magic. Uh, so we all went together for a draft booster box, which is the way you're kind of supposed to play the game. It's not a collectible card game. It's very much a drafted, but that's a whole conversation. Um, but we we did that and it was a lot of fun. And I don't just say that because I won, because I just smashed everybody to bits with my very good draft. Um, oh, wow, Chase. Uh... Yeah, uh, I brought it home. Um, I I pulled a, a mythic creature, a mythic legendary creature in my first pack, uh, along with like my colors stayed open, which means that like the two colors that I played in red and black, no one else kind of picked up. So basically all the best stuff made it around the table to me. And I was just like, ooh, nice card, ooh, nice card. Ooh, nice card. Um, the whole game, which made it very easy. Um, but talking to the other folks who didn't have it quite so easy as me, uh, they also had a really good time. Like it was an enjoyable draft experience. Everyone, minus my one friend who I played Frostgrave with, who sort of messed up and didn't understand one of the cards. And so he ended up hobbling himself, but he was a good sport about it. But everyone was able to draft a fairly powerful deck, and we had a lot of really close matches. And I think that this is a, unfortunately, this has sort of been slept on for a lot of reasons. Um, Wizard of the Coast sort of like sold this set short, didn't do as much with it as it did yeah, other not sets. Yeah, much about it. Like the Wizards are really pushing that. Um, Double uh, Masters. No, the one before it. Um, the oh, streets of, one. Yeah, Streets of New Capenna. Yeah, I can escape treat, Streets of New Capenna. Like, yep. they even did that Ross Kemp thing, which was ridiculous. But, oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I've not really heard a peep about uh, Bald mm. Gate. Like, um, yeah. yeah, it's interesting. It feels like maybe they've just dumped this out. It, it's sort of tied to a lot of the 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 very packed schedule of releases that Wizards of the Coast have set themselves up and you know Double Masters which is the set that just came out or is about yeah. to come out I think it's coming out this weekend um is like really big and they're selling a bunch of like really high price like some of their most expensive products is going to be the Double Masters products and so they really I think they dropped Baldur's Gate to start switching their PR apparatus over to this yeah. one which is a shame because I think it's a fun set to draft but if you're not a big commander player, it can be hard to break into. I heard some stories of some local game shops not understanding how to draft it. And so kind of um, kind of hobbling the experience for a lot of people just because they weren't familiar with commander. Yeah, commander is not exactly the standard format. So, yeah. you know, it's, it's to be expected that wizards will, you know, are more likely to push the releases for their standard formats rather than commander. <sighs> It's not what it, you want, but it's yeah. It's just it's the same. I think if you if you are interested either in that sort of D and D flavor, because this is the second D and D flavored yeah, set that they put yeah. out after Adventures in the Forgotten Realm last year. If you yeah. liked that, there's a lot of flavor from this. There's a lot of like Baldur's Gate three references in this. So if you're excited for that game, which there's a new patch for that, I think coming out today, um, puts in gnomes, puts in the little folk. So. Um, but if you like that flavor, if you like Commander, like this is a fun set to play. And because the Wizards has already dropped it, 
they're kind of dirt cheap right now. You can pick up a box for much less than anything else. So mm. go out there and play it. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, Chase Carter says, don't sleep on, what's it called, Escape from Baldur's Gate? Uh, Battle for Baldur's Gate. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Battle for Baldur's Gate, whatever. It's a, it's, a, it's a title, yeah. Don't sleep, buy cheap is what I say. Um, yeah. <laughs> and then lastly, I played Lost Cities, which we played together, so. Mm -hmm. uh, Liv's talking about, because you mentioned the, the patch for Baldur's Gate 3. Uh -huh. uh, Liv's about gnomes and bards uh, are being released in the patch today, yeah. Baldur's Gate 3. So, and we might be doing more Baldur's Gate 3 stuff in the future. Oh, spoiler alert. Uh, carry on, Chase. Sorry, we played, we played Lost Cities. Yeah. Yeah, we played Lost Cities, and I lost both games because, <laughs> well, it's kind of my own fault, wasn't it? Yeah, so Chase and I have been sort of meddling around on on board game arena quite a lot because um, it's a really good platform actually. It's, mm -hmm. a, it's still a bit clunky. I feel like the invite system doesn't quite work. So like, I wish it was playing the games is fine. There's not really an undo unless we're just not seeing it. Um, Depends on the game, really. Yeah. yeah. Um, which is frustrating when you do things wrong. You know, you can kind of get screwed, and then you're like, "Well, that's it." Uh, but like playing the games themselves is is pretty enjoyable. No problem there. It's um, yeah, just some of the trying to invite people or trying to like make a new game or exit just doesn't feel as intuitive as it should be. But um, no, we played Lost Cities, which is a Reiner Knizia game. There he is. Yep, which is why we were doing. <laughs> And your Kinditsia uh, bits. Um, it, yeah, it's probably his most well-known game, to be honest. Um, it's a two-player card game, really mm -hmm. straightforward. Um, you are sort of trying to get funding to go on exhibitions. Expeditions. I always get those two words mixed up. Expeditions mm -hmm. uh, to unknown lands, yada, yada. There's a bit of colonializing flavor exoticism it, mm -hmm, yeah. which don't love um but uh yeah and the way you're doing that is you're basically trying to lay down cards in like numerical order yeah. um for these four different sets and you five. get cards five sets and you get them by drawing cards from like the main deck or you can take cards from a discard area that you know both players can discard to so you mm -hmm. kind of put cards down there that you don't want so on your turn you can either play a card onto an expedition expedition or you can play a card you, know, you can discard a card yeah. um uh, and essentially once you play a card for one of the, the suits one of the expeditions you are in now like yeah, and that means that you for every expedition that you put cards down for you get minus 20 points initially <laughs> so yeah like, for sure yeah, initially because it's like it's like you're getting investment mm -hmm. for your expedition from i don't know cattle barons maybe yep um and you're saying okay i'm gonna go on this expedition and i'm gonna bring back stuff to make it worth your while you know um again leaning into that kind of go to other people's lands and steal stuff <laughs> which don't love, um, but yeah, uh, 
so what you really want to do is you want to play as many cards in a suit as possible that you've already put cards down for. You can also use the invest these investment cards, which are not numbered, but you have to play them first. And what you've basically got, means they've got a little handshake. Yeah, a little handshake. Them. And basically that means that it's it's like doubling is it doubling what you can it depends on how many you can do one two or three which doubles triples or quadruples your potential score but also the potential also doubles the the investment initial investment so you better make good on that one (laughs) and uh mr chase carter (laughs) you are a whirlwind i can stop you (laughs) I saw that handshake and I was like, ooh, I'll just play that down. Oh, yeah. another? I'll play one, one, What's one more? What's one more? And then you, you started playing cards in all five suits. Uh, and I was yeah. like, I sort of go in my head going, mm. <laughs> you fold. <laughs> Let's see how that works out for him. And uh, spoiler alert, it did not work out for you. Oh, man. I was, I was Mr. Gatsby in the Rory 20s. I had no, I had no foresight of the pool or a bullet in my back. Spoilers. Mm, oh, spoiler! That's for great guess. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I did all right. I, I the first, the first game I did all right. I feel mm-hmm. like I may have invested poorly in some, some of them, but um, I managed to lay down just enough cards that I kind of beat Chase. Um, uh, I mean, the first game we completely fluffed because we got confused about board game arena was a bit confusing. Like, yeah, I think. We were like, oh, the discard. Well, I was like, oh, the discard piles where you play cards for your expedition. No, it's not. It's the old no. one. It's, you pay it under. Your expeditions are under, not on the discard pile. But, right, because um, like the board itself is like a, just a, a like a little rectangle with five yeah. colored spaces, and we were putting cards down in there. Yeah, like that was like, where we're supposed to play where them. They're supposed to go, but no, that's where you're where you discard that's, cards. Yes, yeah, the communal um, discard where you can pick cards from there if you want to. Yeah. Be... So we restarted. Uh, the first game, I, I just about beat Chase. Uh, the second game, you started off being like, I'm going to I'm gonna hold myself back a bit more. I'm going to think about what I'm going to do. And I, I did like, say okay. that. Yep. <laughs> and then, lo and behold, <laughs> things went off the rails. You're it's, very, it's very much that, oh, shit, here we go again. Yeah, yeah, you end up investing in all of the, the expeditions again. And I was like, <laughs> Well, you're doing it again. Like, why are you doing this again? (laughs) To be fair, that one green card was a mistake. And I was just like, I did it. And then I was like thinking about something else. And I came back. I was like, why did I do that? Yeah, I was like, "Mm." I haven't seen a green card in a a solid grip. Why would I put that there? And so, yeah, that was was like minus 20 right off the bat. Yeah, whereas I think I just invested in free expedition. That was smart. Uh, Yeah, and I managed to, I think it's because I only... I only invested in free and it meant I didn't have to like really push myself to try and make them worth it. So yeah. I actually ended up in like plus numbers, I think like a hundred, something like that. But um, You did spend the first half of that game drawing from the top of the deck <laughs> and going, oh, oh no, not again. Like just drawing. <laughs> I, was, I was mad. I was like, because I, um, I wasn't investing in the white expedition. That was the one that I was not, that one and the red one, I was like, I'm not going to do those. Um, and yeah, I kept drawing white cards continuously. I was like, come on, game. Like, what are the odds of this happening? Yep. So I was just sat there chucking cards into the discard pile. Just thinking, I don't want this. Don't want this rubbish. And you were just there, like, crying over all the, the IOUs you'd signed, <laughs> the, the financial debt you're in. <laughs> yeah. I, w- I needed to, like, completely dissolve and go into witness protection because, like, there was no way I was making that money back. <laughs> I was going to get my kneecaps busted. 
just never yeah. returns in the expedition. Um, mm-hmm. Ruler of Flapjack says there should be angel investor cards. I needed it. I needed a unicorn. No I, need, I, I needed to tie my uh, fate to, you know, uh, Silicon Valley and just like yeah. take a bunch of just angel investment. Just, just take all their money and just go off. Yeah, I was like, go come back from those uh, uh, those expeditions, and then I, all of a sudden I'm the CEO of WeWork and I'm making bold claims on 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 a TED talk or something like that. But uh, yeah, I, that game is is really good. Like, it's a really good two player game. I love the way the card discard system works actually where it's like you've got to think about okay i I want to open up my hand more more space in my hand so i can draw cards and you know get the cards i I need for my expedition but also is this card going to help my opponent yep Uh, i mean i was putting quite a few cards down to help you because i felt that (laughs) i was like here you go james have this one I had a couple of turns like that where I needed to get rid of a card. I knew it was a card you won, and I was like, "It just, I just need to do better than what Mian's going to be able to do if I give her this card." And well, I didn't. But those are the no. sort of choices you need to make. Yeah. yeah, and obviously the choice of like which expedition to use. Sometimes to just like continue the game, you just have to like, you've just got to play something. Like you've yeah. just got to start an expedition. You've got to make that plunge because otherwise you're like, well, what else can I do? Like, I don't really want to scarf these cards. And it's one of those card games that's like, uh, you need to like keep in mind what all has been discarded. Like there's only a certain number of cards in each color. And so if you know what's been discarded to the five different discard piles, you'll be able to make a much smarter play. So it's one of yeah, those, yeah. there's a certain amount of knowledge you need to keep it all in your dome while you're playing. Yeah, you've got to remember okay, I need to remember what's under this stack. Yep. So mm-hmm. then, But then you've got to work through the stack. You have to take the cards on the top of the pile. A turn at a time, which can a be really slow. Yeah. yeah, because once all of those cards come from, like, the once all the cards come from the main deck, that, that round is over. The, yep. That's it. And, and whatever you've put down on your expeditions, that's what you got. <laughs> so it does feel like there's a ticking clock. Um, you're like, oh, quick, I've got to put these cards down so I can make it worth their while. <laughs> Which was me at the end of both of the games. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was pushing. I was like, okay, I'll delay a bit longer. I was I, I was pleading. I was like, Alex, please don't draw another card. There's only five left. Like, give me, come on, give me a card. I just had to a, go. Just a couple of turns. I, I had a, a thing to do. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, what else? I've also, we also played some Similio last week. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, which is a very simple game. Um, like you could play it; it's so simple you could play it with children. Actually, I think it'd be a really good game to play with children. Because I think it would help. It would their minds would be able to work in a way that I think would really, really uh, benefit them. But it's a game where um, you've got one person who has to give clues, and the other people are, are guessing. And you you get sort of a randomly assigned card from the deck. Um, so, you, sorry, you lay out these cards in like a grid fashion, and one of the cards is randomly assigned as like, okay, this is the card I need the others to guess. And um, the way you try and get the others to guess is that you have to play a card from your hand that has either similarities or differences from the card that you want them to guess. Um, and then every round, they need to take away sort of an ascending number of cards. So it just starts off with one that they take away that they don't think is the one that you want them to guess. And then it goes all the way up to like three, I think, is it three or four at once or something? But um, 
Yeah, the last, like the second to last round was four, and then you have yeah. two two cards left. Two, two cards remain, and you've got to you they've got to choose the right one to leave down, uh, and that is it. It's that's the, the entire game, and uh, there are different packs for Similio. So um, we played using it's actually on Board Game Arena, and most of the, quite a few of the packs are on there. So we played using like an animals one. There's a fairy tales one. There's a myths one. There's a horror one, um, and they're almost like levels of difficulty. So I'd mm. say the animal one is like really straightforward. That's like, oh, is this pig like this duck? Mm. Um, yeah. You know, uh, whereas the, we played with the myths one, which was obviously a much higher, I would say a higher level of, of difficulty. And um, you have to, obviously, then you're using potential connections of like, oh, is Apollo connected to Athena? Like, you know, is, is this this, because they're all named characters in, right. the, in the, the myths one. They're not just centaur. They're like a specific centaur. <laughs> and they have descriptions as well. So you can use like the descriptions, which are all sort of similar. Like for the myths one, they talk about like their relations and also like sort of what their predominant myth is. And so you can yeah. use that information as well. Yeah. So, so I believe um, we did, I think you were trying to get us to guess that one. Yep. Because Maddie and I were also playing and you were using some of the relationships between the different characters to get us to try and guess. But obviously that is dependent on whether anyone actually knows who these people mm -hmm. are. Yep. Sometimes the so. descriptions give clues of like, oh, this is the mother of, of you know, uh, Aphrodite is the mother of Eros. Like, yep. you know, that can kind of give clue. But some of them you have to have some level of knowledge. Whereas like the animal one, it's just animals. Like that one is probably the one we, you would, that one or the fairy tale one, or even the horror one, I think you could probably play with children. Yep. The ones where like, I believe there is a histories one as well, where it's like historical figures. And that one's probably a little tougher. Yeah. But, um, the artwork's really good and it's a really simple, fun game. That's Horrible Guild as well. Uh, and they, the actual physical copies come in these little decks. They're like yep. Trump decks. Uh, and I think it's a really good, really good game. Like, it's really straightforward, nothing. Yeah, totally. Um, that was really good. I've also played some Gloomhaven Digital. Nice. More of that. Yeah. Mm. Uh, slowly. <laughs> oh, yeah. Trudging our way through. Uh, we managed to finish the scenario that we attempted last time, but we failed spectacularly. Congrats. Um, thank job. you. Thank you very much. Uh, one of the rooms was just full of. <laughs> mm. The first room is just these stone guys, and they're like, they're they're pretty. They're, they're pretty easy to deal with, to be honest. They're, they're a little laggy, cool. but yeah. They can't move that far, but they do pack a punch. Some of the cards, they do do pack a punch. But um, the next room is like full of big, there's these big bears. One of them particularly big bear, big, big mm -hmm. bear. He's bad. There's a lot of these horrible ghouly guys who have so much shield and they like spew gunk at you. It's disgusting. And then there's like three dragons in there or something that, that only fire at ranged. And there are, some of their attacks are really gnarly, especially big drag. Uh, and um, that was where we really failed last time. We failed again, <laughs> where one of the scenarios, one of the, the random events that we had beforehand really messed us over. So mean. <laughs> it was like, you're wounded. Also, we're going to steal one of your perk points. 
Oh, no, oh, no, really. I know, that's really harsh. They actually took those things out in Jaws of the Lion because they were so mean. Because yeah. hit points are really hard to get. Um, yep. They're the things that you kind of upgrade your character with. Um, uh, and they're not easy to require. So the fact mm-hmm. that it took one of them was like, I can't believe this. Um, and then we failed. I died immediately in that scenario. <laughs> Because I'm playing as a rogue character uh, and she's really squishy and most of her attacks are melee so you have to get up up close to really do anything and so she unfortunately got a scenario she just got like ground pounded by free golem uh, and then the others kind of kept going valiantly and died in the next chamber but the next attempt we, we without those horrible penalties as well we did it we took it down we we cleared out that room nice um it was it was uh, an excellent victory and uh the other two players their characters are actually getting close to fulfilling their objective so every character in gloomhaven has like specific objectives that they want to feel fulfill and once they do they they're like well i'm going off now because i've done the thing i want to do Uh, i'm going to go back home (laughs) and live the quiet life um so the other two are like mine mine is miles away because it's stupid so i guess i'm stuck with this character for a while but um the other two are almost there um one of them is like they've got to kill what are those called those little little rat guys um oh the the things. it's not scape that's warhammer it's in their um vermlings they're vermlings yeah yeah they've yeah. got to kill a load of vermlings they just don't like vermlings <laughs> And the other character just has to have the someone get exhausted at some point in, in a session. It's very weird. Uh, I don't even know what mine is because I've barely looked at it because I'm like, well, this is this is going to take forever to achieve. Um, but no, we are enjoying it. It's very long. <laughs> it's very hard. But um, yeah, it's 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 rewarding when you succeed yep. and you do learn from it. So um, there you go. That's pretty much everything I've played this week and Chase. Um, we do have uh, a fun little uh, commercial break coming up um, that uh, our God, our person behind the scenes, uh, needs to do a little bit of technical wizardry uh, to, to do. So um, we're going to set that thing up. But then after we have that little advertisement. Um, we're going to go into our news, which will mm-hmm. be a re- very brief. Uh, and then we will go into our segment, which loads of people have provided uh, suggestions for. Thank you very much. Um, we will continue to take suggestions and we'll do our best to do as many of them as we can. Yep. Uh, but in the meantime, um, here is uh, a word from our sponsors. Give it away, Liz. Over at D&D in a Castle. What is D&D in a Castle? It's an event where you play a dream Dungeons & Dragons campaign with a world-class dungeon master over three jam-packed days in an actual 14th century castle. Eight and 12 hours of D&D as part of an all-inclusive vacation. It's easy to get involved. Just head over to dndinacastle.com to book your epic three-day D&D campaign with a dungeon master of your choice. That's the only hard part. Which bit? 
choosing your DM. It's a list of just great talent. You could book to play with the legendary Gabe Hicks. Or what about playing with award-winning writers and game designers like Alyssa Teague or Jason Azevedo? You could have a dungeon masterclass. That's what we did there. You can have a dungeon masterclass from the head of the D&D design studio, Ray Winnegar. I mean, they even cram in stuff like archery, axe throwing, escape rooms. And you get to eat like a king in the great hall at every meal. Go to bed in this 14th century castle, wake up and do it all again. Three whole days where you just eat, sleep, roll dice and repeat. It's time to gather your party and venture forth. Learn more at dndinacastle.com. See full list of this year's events and dungeon masters. That's dndinacastle.com for your vacation beyond imagination. This week's show is brought to you by Alan. Oh, hello, and we're back. Uh, thank you for that sponsor. Um, we're going to dive right into the news very quickly, uh, just to give you a heads up on what's going on on the website at the moment. The <laughs> website being www.dicebreaker.com. That's that's where the, the news branch is. That's well, more than news, that's the, the board game ranch. That's where Chase and I live and work. <laughs> yeah, that's where we ply our trade. That's where we, that's where we ply our trade, yeah. Yep. And Chase uh, did a very um, interesting... <laughs> yeah, that's a word for it. Yeah, news beast this week. Um, Chase, do you want to give us a very quick rundown of what that is and what people can expect? Yeah, so uh, I wrote a quick news piece about uh, the uh, continuing situation with Apotheosis Studios, which is a D&D setting book publisher. Uh, they do, you know, books uh, for D&D 5th edition, um, which has been under a lot of critical scrutiny and public outcry uh, because of the two, the founder and uh, his wife, Jameson Stone and Satine Phoenix, had a lot of allegations about uh, come out of, against them for the way they basically treated a bunch of people their employees and contract workers, as well as just folks in the industry. It's been not great. Uh, there is another piece on the website with a sort of rundown of all that, that you can read. Anyway, Apotheo Studio is kind of winding down, going into a, a second stage where there's they're not going to be making any new product. They're just finishing what, they, what they've made. Mm -hmm. But also, they're not going to be uh, offering any refunds on their Kickstarter book, Sirens Battle of the Bars, which... They're, they're technically within the rights to do, but a lot of people, since the allegations came out, have been saying, hey, we don't want our money going towards this product anymore because we don't want to agree with your actions. Well, they're not going to do that. So you can read all about sort of how that's come out. It has my interview, parts of my interview with Jameson Stone, the founder, um, and a lot more information about that. You can go read that on the site. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's a spicy meatball. <laughs> I would describe it as... <sighs> yeah, it's... Uh... It's not yeah, a good situation. All made there. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I, I, we really do recommend you go read that article and read the one that Ch Chase did before, uh, basically summing up the various allegations. Um, the other news article that we want to highlight this week is um, unfortunately another, another downer one. Um, yeah. But the creator of Yu-Gi-Oh! Uh, Kazuki Takahashi um, has unfortunately passed away um he was found in um in uh, very unusual circumstances that the police are basically and the coast guard are investigating but um uh he created the manga uh that uh, the Yu-Gi-Oh trading card game is based on uh Yu-Gi-Oh 
Uh, and also that the many, many anime series are based on and also anime films. Like, mm-hmm. Yu-Gi-Oh is mm-hmm. huge. Yeah. Um, so there's been quite a few... Um, oh, my God. Oh, my brain's gone blank. Um, like, um, help me out, Chase. <laughs> I, I need uh, something. I, I know. Uh, like, uh, memories, remembrances. Not exactly, but people like talking about Yu-Gi-Oh, what it means, you know, what it means to yeah. them, and uh, you know, thanking Takashi for his work. Tributes. Tributes. That is the one that I was thinking of. Thank you, uh, Perchalicious. Uh, <laughs> uh, tributes. Uh, there have been tributes. I've seen a few floating around online, just because we're in tabletop gaming community, uh, and it's really sad um, when someone you know who's produced such beloved work, you know, like the Yugo trading card game would not exist without uh, Mr. Takahashi's work. Mm-hmm. And so um, Chase and I were like, let's let's just provide a little tidbit of what, you know, I, I, we don't, neither of us really play Yu-Gi-Oh! the trading card game all that much. Matt's mm-hmm. more of a Yu-Gi-Oh! person. Um, he, he really likes the Master Duel video game um, version. Um, but I believe we both watched the original in Japan, it's known as Jewel Monsters uh, because it's technically the first, the second anime that was released based on the manga, but it's the first one that kind of the Europe and the US you know, mm-hmm. had access to, where it's just called Yu-Gi-Oh over here. But um, yeah, we have our memories of, of of that series. Do you want to share a quick one from you, Chase? Oh man, yeah. So like, you know, it, Yu-Gi-Oh came around at least in the U.S. after Pokemon and definitely mm-hmm. after Magic the Gathering, which is funny if you look into the history of the manga. Uh, y- the Yu-Gi-Oh card game in the manga was a riff on Magic. I think it's actually called Wizards and Mat Wizards and Magic or something like that. It's the translation. Yeah. Like it's absolutely a riff on Magic the Gathering. So that's a cool tie anyway. But mm-hmm. it came afterwards, where like as a, a kid my age, like in the late '90s, early aughts, like card games were big. Like everybody was making a trading card game everybody and their dog had a trading card game but Yu-Gi-Oh! like really hit big because they launched it alongside the anime and the anime was for me that was fantastic are you kidding me like a game of a show about card games uh and the whole thing of like you could put them on a digital board and like the monster showed up like oh, come yeah. on that was good so like I went out and bought like I I, I was like baby being babysat by my grandmother and I made her go out and I spent my allowance on that like starter tin of cards that had uh dark magician and summon skull in it and uh, boy, howdy, like the art on those cards was unlike anything that like Pokemon had done. It was unlike any of the magic cards that I had. And so like it captured just a different slice of my imagination. And for a while, like, and also the numbers were huge. So as a little kid who didn't really understand the ramifications, I was like, big numbers, that's obviously better. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> so for a little bit, Yu-Gi-Oh! just like absolutely captured my imagination. Yeah, I, I I never really touched the training card game until very recently where I kind of dabbled with it, particularly speed duels is a fun time. Um, but yeah, if, firstly, chat, if you've got any Yu-Gi-Oh memories you'd like to share, please do let us know or, uh, or you know, tweet at us at join Dicebreaker or email us uh, at contact at dicebreaker.com. Uh, and we will share your Yu-Gi-Oh memories uh, perhaps on the next episode of the podcast. But um, I remember watching some Yu-Gi-Oh when I was of of the, the young age when it kind of was being aired because, you mm-hmm. know, like Chase said, it was aired around the same time just after Pokemon and Pokemon was massive. Um, I was more I was more of a Pokemon person. 
um, because I was into video games anyway. But I do remember watching episodes of Yu-Gi-Oh! Just being like, oh, this is like so extreme, you know? Because yeah. <laughs> it was like the darker version of Pokemon. It's like... like yeah, you, lo- you lose a match and you're trapped in the Shadow the Realm. Shadow Realm, yeah. Whereas, you know, in the manga, I believe, people literally just die. Like, yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> um, they're, they're gambling kind of on their lives. But um, uh, Yeah, and- like... Uh- I think Coda Blair brings it up in the chat and saying like the original manga was not just card games, but other games, like just games, a whole bunch yeah. of games. And he was, that's why it's called the, the king of games. Mm, and um, obviously Pegasus, shout out to my boy Pegasus. Oh. Uh, shout out to Joey Wheeler. Uh, he's a, a, an icon to himbos everywhere. Uh, and of course, uh, Karibo. Uh, uh, Karibo. The goat. You're my sweet little, my sweet little friend. Uh, I wish I could get. A, I bet there's like a plushy Karibo that I can get. Yeah. Because uh, they're so cute. I love them. Just a little puffball with little feet coming out. Um, yeah. I I live for the moment in the in the anime episodes where it's like, ha! I got the win on you, and he's like, you but you forget. I combined my Karibo with this other car to make the ultimate defense. And it's just like 400 little fur balls just like flying at this monster. And they do the thing with like, no! And then it's light and explode. It's Look, very fun. Karibo is underrated. Yeah, Karibo's very good. <laughs> also, uh, a very specific uh, that I didn't watch the series this was part of. I thought, I think it might have been part of Yu-Gi-Oh! GX. Um, but um, there is a meme video that is incredible and lives my heart forever. Uh, actually, there's two Yu-Gi-Oh meme videos which are great. There's the one that Will shared with us, which is someone doing. No, it was the English dub of a uh, Yu-Gi-Oh, but the person doing like voice lines for a mammoth, like a, a mammoth type creature, and it sounds exactly like all sorts. Of things. <laughs> it's amazing. Um, and then there's a wonderful meme video, which is there is like a section of Yu-Gi-Oh! GX, I think, where a guy, an American guy, has been very American, and he's talking about how he he he's like an an archaeologist, and he no no he's he finds like dinosaur bones, and like he had one of his legs replaced by a dinosaur bone or something. And that then he's right. like, he's like, now I've got Dino DNA, and now I'm like, I I love Dino DNA. Just type into YouTube Dino DNA if you ever want to watch this video. It's incredible. Uh, there you go. There's our Yu-Gi-Oh. <laughs> yeah, listen, the Yu-Gi-Oh community, from everything I know, is incredible. It's rich. It's much larger than you probably realize. And if you want to get into Yu-Gi-Oh, I hear that they're kind of friendly, That's like a version. lot. Is, oh yeah, and really Master Duel is really good. Master we got we, we've got we've got some videos and articles on it on the site, so you go check it out. Definitely, uh, I would recommend that you. Uh, I would recommend that you give you go Master Duel uh, a go because Matt Jarvis certainly recommends it. Um, mm-hmm. He he's a big fan. Uh, so yeah, uh, other articles that I advise you to go have a look at. Um, we've got a really fantastic feature from. Uh, from, I'm sorry about uh, butchering your name, Dave Farmavor on the site about Vecna, uh, who mm-hmm. is uh, featured in uh, the latest season of Stranger Things, uh, basically giving you a rundown of who who the hell is Vecna? 
Um, we've also got a, a feature based on a wonderful video that our own Michael Whelan did about um, oh, Hanafuda cards mm -hmm. uh, and their connection with Nintendo. Uh, we've also got a regularly updated article featuring uh, some of the best board game deals you can find on Amazon Prime through the Prime Day. Prime Day's uh, coming, up. coming up. So if you want to find some hot new deals, um, please come over to the site uh, and have a look at that. Uh, yeah, so uh, we've gone through that. Um, now we're going to do a very fun thing that uh, Mr. Jarvis uh, has recommended to us, um, which is uh, there is an AI tool, a free AI tool that you can use um, called InferKit Demo. Um, which basically you type in some words into a search bar uh, and it comes up with, a, it basically writes a story for you <laughs> based on that, um, based on that, that concept. So mm -hmm. um, we've been collecting various ideas from the chat for this uh, surrounding board game and tabletop role playing game. Uh, Chase and I are going to generate some using your ideas, and then we're going to basically do like a fun reading of of you know the first couple of paragraphs or so of the board game fanfics that you, your suggestions, and the AI have helped birth into the world. <laughs> um, so I've taken this suggestion that was the first suggestion that I saw, which was Monopoly Man Tax Evasion. Oh, good. Um, <laughs> uh, that I believe was provided by, I'm sorry, I didn't take a lot of the names, um, by someone in the chat. Thank you, whoever it was. Um, it, it's a fantastic idea. So I'm going to start reading this out. Um, okay, this is interesting. Right. Uh, this has gone very deep. Yeah, how, how long do you want to make these? Yeah, I don't want to make them too long um, because obviously we don't want to be here forever. But um, yeah, this this AI has done very interesting things. It, it's basically uh, I put Monopoly Man tax evasion, uh, and it's it's basically gone really deep into financial. It's basically ignored the Monopoly Man there, and now it's just talking about tax evasion. So I might actually skip that idea because it doesn't seem to like it. So um, I'm going to do Cosmic Encounters um, and Romance, and let's see how that goes. Uh, yeah, let's see what that produces. This is very much an experimental thing, folks. Um, okay, this is great. <laughs> So this Cosmic Encounter romance uh, fanfic uh, starts with um, just number three. There's the words number three. Sitting on the porch, Holly was enjoying her freshly squeezed lemonade. He was right. A glass of ice cold lemonade never tasted better than on a hot summer day. He'd also realized she'd taken the couch, but that was no problem. She hadn't touched it since she found him again. <laughs> They had a new routine. Every time when they came back from school, Holly would turn the kitchen chair to the edge of the porch and sit on the steps. Robert would pick her up 
and toss it down the steps. Holly would kick and scream until Robert got tired of it. <laughs> then she spent most of the day on the couch with a towel over her head. <laughs> this is bizarre. This is bizarre, Chase. Where's the cosmic encounters bed? <laughs> I feel like this has just gone bonkers. This, this this AI does not care about. Oh, okay. So it, men it mentions cosmic powers, which is fun. <laughs> it's this this AI is more interested in the um, in the romance part of this thing than it is in the cosmic encounters part of it. Um, have you had any particular luck? See, uh, so the next suggestion was Real Housewives of Dungeons and Dragons, which okay. I thought would be fantastic. Uh, and this has given me a sort of like Netflix-esque sort of like pitch deck for this. Okay. Uh, we'll see how this goes. Um, the next full trailer for the upcoming Netflix comedy, Derek, which uh, I don't know where they're getting Derek, but you can watch above. Which, it's called Derek. Yeah, Dungeons and Derek uh, was just released and it's full of fantastic one-liners and ridiculous one-liners. While we wait for those, here's a short teaser. Derek's cast of absurd characters are brought together by a quest to save their friend who is being held captive by a coven of Satan worshippers. This 10-episode series will see the four-episode fantasy horror series be available uh, to stream on Netflix. The trailer features some absolutely fantastic one-liners. They're really leaning into that one-liners bit. One yeah. In here's some of those fantastic one-liners, including... My God, the pain. And I've had dreams like that before, but never was sure what they meant. And Amber, if you keep flashing that witch, I'm going to have to torch this place. Flashing that witch? Don't flash that witch. Chase. Uh, that guy stuck with the hippie chick. Just you wait. David Cross plays a frustrated husband forced to accompany his wife, Amber Tamblin, to a fantasy role-playing convention called Dragon Con. There they find themselves in the company of superheroes, mutants, and more. Oh my goodness. Uh, I want to watch that. What's it called? Derek? Yeah, it's called Derek. <laughs> so, so, so look, uh, look this, this holiday season, December 8th, Derek's coming to Netflix, apparently. Yeah, Derek. Wait, is his name even Derek, the character? I, I don't. I'm, I'm guessing David Cross plays the titular Derek. Presumably, it's, he plays Derek. I, yeah, and I'm guessing his wife Amber Tamblin plays herself Amber, because she's the one flashing that witch. She's flashing that witch. <laughs> that was great. Was that Real Housewives of D and D? That was. Yeah, it had it, it had very little D and D, and no. I don't think any Real Housewives. But hey, hey, it mentioned tabletop role playing. That's something, and Derek, of course um oh wow this is great okay uh, so i put clue and scooby-doo mm -hmm. and i fear that we may not we'll get a lot of scooby-doo and not a lot of clue but here we go uh so this is how it starts off um now i know what you're up to said a dirty man in a striped shirt peeking out from a dumpster i'm making my way home don't mind me i'm looking for my dog scent to find him said shaggy what is this clue? Are you asking me a question? Do you know where my dog is? Clue's eyes narrowed. So Clue is apparently the name of this other person that Shaggy's dealing with. Uh, you seem a bit hasty. What makes you think I know where your dog is? Clue blushed and scooted away. Shaggy shrugged. Then it could be uh, that you just think you know where my dog is. 
Shaggy began to run towards the end of the street and the old man stepped out of the alleyway and began to chase him. Trip me, I dare you. Try and trip me, old man. I don't have any diseases that can harm you. Wow. Shaggy darted around the corner and threw trees until he reached the old man. Uh, okay, how much of your poison will you spill on me, said Shaggy. <laughs> One gulp of your drink, I dare you. The old man sucked in a big gulp, big gulp, and died around the back of the house where he hid behind the stoop and waited for Shaggy to pounce. This has gone places that I just, I just cannot believe. This is a story about Shaggy and a person named Clue who seems to be an old man, maybe? Or maybe that's someone else? And Shaggy just having a go at this old man. We don't know where Scooby-Doo is. He doesn't exist in this, apparently. Although it might be this dog. This mysterious dog that Shaggy's looking for. I'm more uh, uh, sort of aghast at the the, the disease part of this whole thing. <laughs> What's going on? It's got really dark. It's like 28 days later or something. <laughs> uh, there you go. That was, that was Scooby-Doo and Clue. Um... Chase, do you have one for us? Uh, yeah, I'm trying. I keep doing different permutations of because we've got the we've got the suggestion Battleship the movie fanfic, and I keep oh. putting it off, and it keeps giving me essentially advertising pitches. I don't know why this thing. Battleships. So I'm gonna let's try one more time to get this. Okay. Give me well, something. I'll get another one. I'll get another one lined up. The the I don't know how the the AI is going to respond to this, but we'll give it a go. Um, people are saying we should put these on the website. Um, I don't know how we would do that in terms of like what the format of the the article would be. <laughs> we can we, we can look into it. Um, yeah. Also, okay. um, thanks to JC Babalook for becoming a member of Dicebreaker Plus. Hey, welcome. Um, welcome to the fold. Also, Code of Blair has been a member for five months. Uh, and they suggest we should put some of this stuff on the website. Um, we can try. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we, we'll, we will see about putting some of these up there. Um, what have you got for us, Chase? Okay, so Battleship Movie Fanfic, colon, Fighting the War on Terror 3. Oh, wow, the, I love that. This, this thing has auto-completed the title for me because apparently it needed awesome. a colon slash... Yeah. Uh, all right. Released one year later, the Admiral Nimitz directed film. I didn't know Admiral Nimitz was a film director, but uh, the Admiral Nimitz directed film played up the good news on the state of the war, reminding viewers that the Pacific War was ending and showing a movie theater full of returning American soldiers in San Francisco celebrating the end of the conflict. Uh, parentheses, it also appears to have been filmed on the WGA's No Pagers Allowed set uh, on the X-Files, but that's a whole other story. Um Away from Hollywood, right? yeah, yeah. Well, uh, away from Hollywood, veteran actor James MacArthur didn't know he was an actor as well. Uh, re-recorded the original Christmas Carol for a 2003 yeah. Christmas special, but many found the new version not only unfitting for the holidays, but worse, an insult. Some, like the like some AARP exe executives, even suggested MacArthur should be tried for war crimes. Well, oh you goodness. know, AARP executives, me and you both. Uh, quote, we don't want any recurrence of this kind of incident, they said. Oh, my goodness. That, that, was, one, that, was, 
Yeah, was that was a horrible it. song. Decades earlier, the com the composer of that no must no fuss song was a far more bellicose man. There are too many sick people in the world. Arthur Sullivan, the son of the famed English composer, wrote. Back to sick again. Why is with this AI? It's obsessed. <laughs> yeah. Too much illness. Uh, I know. Well, yeah. Well, uh, yeah. I feel like it's yeah. We we got too much of that at the moment. Um, that was fun. That went places. Uh, to, to from Battleship sequel to just industry drama. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm doing. I've typed in uh, a suggestion: Warhammer Horus Heresy. So let's see what this has made. Uh, so this is how it starts. Um, I don't know if these are real characters' names or whether they just made this thing up, but we'll see. Um, the struggle is only the beginning. Awaken, lad. The awaken awaits. <laughs> Morton Jensen, master of Warhammer. That was what he said. Dark angels, Aluman. Slayers, chimeras, and blood ravens arrive in force. Their armor stands out like a rotten tooth. They carry a half a dozen swords of eldritch precision. And once the chaos wreaks its havoc on the battlefield, the bloodlust spreads. Chaos springs forth men in armored breastplates and spearmen wielded bladed weapons to take down the undefenseless enemies of Horus and Horus's legion. The blood flies from the bodies of both the mighty and weak alike. Monstrous monsters spawn from the depths of the chaos wastes. Your players are heroes, it's true. Heroes whose relentless struggle to defend their way of life breaks all the rules. But all heroes must confront a terrible foe, one in which the laws of reality can no longer keep up with the horror at hand. And so we have tried to capture the Warhammer theme and bring it to life in an amazing range of new revised rules for Warhammer 40,000. First of all, they have all been written by a small team of writers in the 4K community who have brought forth their incredible skill and experience to write the actual rules and tell you exactly what the themes races should look like. <laughs> this debate, again, this seems to go from like fiction so suddenly we're back in the room and there's like an executive trying to sell this idea to someone. <laughs> to see this AI generator can't help but try and make money. <laughs> Maybe this is what it's meant to be for. <laughs> that, I mean, listen, I loved the first part the most because that is yeah. absolutely like that some, well, yeah. that might as well just come from a war scroll. That's just genuine Warhammer stuff right there. Awaken, awaken. <laughs> awaken, awaken, awaken some more. Are you awake yet? Um, okay, so I did Ocean's Eleven. The robber from Catan does Ocean's Eleven. And right. what it's given me is essentially like what looks like a board game geek forum post about this, whatever okay. this is. I really like Ocean's Eleven. I've read the book. I've seen the movies. I've even played the board game with my parents once. But I didn't realize that the gameplay also adapted really well to the card game's variant. There's a Wild West theme going on in this game, but that doesn't really matter. All you really need to know is that there is a sheep of some kind that are randomly acquired. You have a wagon that you can make into a gun to shoot at your opponent, and you can make it into a boat to rob other people. Play this game with your family. It will be a fun, interactive experience and will encourage you to not run out of resources. It's a perfect game for kids that are learning to play games. They will learn how to play from watching other players, and it's not easy to lose. There's only three rules, but that's more than enough. Some of the rules. 
Play until someone reaches 30 gold coins. Play until someone reaches 15 temple keys. When two players start a tie, each player takes one card and passes the remaining cards to the other player until the tie is broken. Okay, that had almost seemingly nothing to do with... <laughs> nope. They mentioned a sheep and also a wagon that turns into a gun. Whoa! Yeah. Oh my goodness. Uh, I Someone put Baron Park, Planet of the Apes. I'm going to try and like create try and use words i think are actually going to create something of that man like nature because i don't think this ai is going to understand what baron park is uh and i put planet the apes in it, it was doing something that was very odd so i i'm going to try and do something that will give like it's inspired by the the concept of baron park planet of the apes so um we'll see what this comes up with we're, we're going to put the ai actually uh, in the chat for you folks so that you can try this yourself uh, when you whenever you'd like and maybe you can share our your um discoveries with us uh, uh, through at join dicebreaker or contact at dicebreaker.com uh, okay here's what it's created i use the words bear rebel in the park and <laughs> uh, let's see how what this is made so um it was hard to say how many, if any, prisoners remained in the park. Only a few days prior, the garrison's commander claimed that the enemy would attempt a massive attack at dawn when the battle line would be near the park. However, he added, no sooner did I make these declarations that my soldiers were driven back from the walls of the rebel camp, the battle was over and the rebels had made quick work of the position. <laughs> While the governor was not expected to offer a fuller account of the battle, these facts are all that was recorded. The governor's report concluded that in some words of sorrow, observing no matter how valiantly the rebels fought, I do not think the loss was suffered by them was excessive. Bear in mind, okay. <laughs> That's where the bear bit is. <laughs> Great. Bear in mind the spirit of modern war is to do whatever is possible to maintain control of the opposition. In the rebel camp, there may be many reports of how the guards mistreated prisoners, this combat would explain why the rebels rejected terms offered by the bear and fought until victory. So there is a, there is a bear's army, it mentions. But I think it's using the term bear as like being a, the name of a person or, or like a, a position rather than actual bears. There you go. <laughs> I don't know how you, I don't know how you're getting like actual stories because mine <laughs> Mine keeps like doing some weird like other format. Like so yeah, I did I've seen that as well. I think when it gets confused with certain things you put in that doesn't recognize it's like uh, mm, uh cannot compute. <laughs> we've we've got the 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 prompt here, wingspan, but they're all angry birds. I don't know uh, wing Okay, wingspan is like a word that it can use. Like why is it but uh but it's basically given me is like the different kinds of angry birds that you can use in this game where it's wingspan but they're all angry birds so here we go here are some birds uh the hooters birds. <laughs> yeah the hooters hooter is a hammerhead which is 90 percent of its length so there's one hooters, the hooters hooter the hooters hooter yeah mm. um but with a giant hammerhead that's 90 percent of its length uh the know. wasp is a cross between a hydrophile and a golden eagle sometimes referred to as a hawk 
Sometimes uh, you have a hawk. Yeah, the bee eaters are a very aggressive primate. There's one bird. <laughs> uh, the the genet is a snake that stings its own tail. As its skin is so tough, they barely notice it when they use it to sneak up on you. It eats spiders! Exclamation point. It eats spiders. Yeah. Uh, the big eye bird is a cat, but with the bottom set of eyes removed so he can see far away. <laughs> the cat bear is a big black bear with two front paws in front of its face like a cat. Like a cat. The zombie has one eyeball made out of glass that is always on the back of its head. Always on, it's always on the back of its head. The dire wolf is a werewolf that can turn into a dog, but then gets in trouble for not having... Well, we can't read that one, that's for sure. Um, no, I mean... <laughs> We, we've gone blue. The The AI generator has gone very blue with the dire wolf. Oh my goodness. Um, dire wolf. The coyote is a very fast, cunning animal that gets involved with dogs and can turn into one, but sometimes cannot control its hunger for cats. Uh, and yeah, then finally, the goose is a very beautiful red and white goose, but it is cursed with a small beak. Oh no, it's cursed with a small beak. I mean, who hasn't been there? Who hasn't yeah. been cursed with a small beak? The hooter's hooter. I do it's like the Hooters favorite, Hooter. I, uh -huh. I do. But, I want to imagine what the hell that thing looks like. Well, imagine a hammerhead that's 90% of its length. That's very explicit. <laughs> and then you just sort of let your brain finish the job, you know? Draw the rest of the owl. Mm, Mojo Jojo says AI beak shaving. This yeah, is this, this is uh, uh, interesting that I have not gotten some like actual like fiction. I'm wondering how I do that. How do I tell this thing? Give you me a story. Derek. Oh no, that wasn't fiction though. That was more like a pitch. That, yeah, that was like a TV guide insert telling me about this show that's about to come on. I mean, you know that Netflix wouldn't make it because they stopped doing that now. They don't yeah. make it anymore. They just exist to have friends on there. And... What if I just type in Wingspan fan fiction? That will be interesting. I've run out of free uses of this, by the way, so that's me done. <laughs> oh, there's... Yeah, it, oh. it, will, it will ask you, are you out? Oh, you get certain free weekly free characters. <laughs> I typed in Wingspan fanfiction just to see if I get something, and it typed in Wingspan fanfiction story one, and it repeated that numerically up to 16. That was it. That's what I got. And then Maybe. it says, share this on Facebook. They're my great thoughts on Facebook, everyone. <laughs> the audacity of the of that AI just to be like, you need to share my stuff on my, my great stuff. It really likes um it really likes uh its own work. Okay, I've got 455 free words left. Let's Come on. Come on, what's a, what what do we what do we throw in here for my last uh, 450? Chad, what's this uh, last one? Yeah, what 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 last what last uh story will Chase make using AI? You need to provide us with with an idea. Um to uh, let us know what you think. People are talking about hooters. I'm gonna take the sampling temperature down a little bit to see if that helps out. It gives me like an yeah. actual story instead of like Coda Blair says root game of thrones. Yeah, fair enough. Let's do it. Yeah, let's see what what that produces. Probably mostly game of thrones stuff is my bet, but we'll see we'll see where it goes. 
Oh no. I don't. Not well. I don't know what's going on here. <laughs> what has happened, Chase? What has it given you? <clears throat> Nothing says winter is here like a classic Game of Thrones tattoo. <laughs> the show's return, oh God. Oh no. They don't come back, yeah. The show's return is just around the corner, and that means that fans are already in full-blown tattoo frenzy. Whether you're all caught up with the show or are still watching for your first taste of Westeros, the tattoo trend is for you. The top choice? A wolf, of course, on the back of your neck. We've rounded up the best game of... This thing is just giving me clickbait articles. It just keeps making clickbait articles for me. And I don't... Am I supposed to be judged by that? What am I supposed to draw from the way this AI is treating me? It wants to sell you things, Chase. I truly does. Like, this is, this is just a door-to-door -door salesman for bad, bad pitches. Uh, Argyle Argyle um, Rahan says I AI knows about the Jon Snow spinoff. Nathaniel Levy says season nine confirmed on Dicebreaker. I cannot imagine. I like truly after the last couple of years could not imagine how reality would get any darker. And then this thing said that Game of Thrones is coming back. Yeah, you should get tattoos about it, Chase. And everyone should tattoo. Yeah, everyone should tattoo Game of Thrones stuff. I have some friends who are teachers and are just now starting to see children like in their their like primary or if you're in the states like elementary school like teachers and they're just now seeing kids with like names like Khaleesi and Arya in their classes no. and it's just <laughs> the Arya one I get because that is uh, that's a name that's like been used elsewhere. Sure, but Khaleesi is a Khaleesi that's is a, a title. title. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Anyway, you're getting a lot of those sort of things. Uh, they're finally getting into school age, which means they're finally old enough to have shame over their parents' decisions. Oh. You can legally change your name if you want, kiddo. Please do it, yeah. It's a nominal sum, but it'll get rid of that curse. <laughs> uh, I think that's it for the segment, everyone. Um, thanks so much for your suggestions. Um, maybe we'll do it again. Uh, maybe Matt will buy us a subscription. <laughs> um, yeah, or we'll just drag Matt on to use his characters. I suppose it is a weekly thing, so we could always, you know, do this another time. Yes, Chase Carter. I'm reading through the doc because I just really want to know why I'm getting slammed by this thing so hard. And I think it's because you need to, like, start a sentence. Like, you need to sort of give it the beginning of a sentence. Ah, else it's going to kind of just guess at what you're going to get. So we really should have like fictionalized this a little more. Okay. Uh, so well, I think the, ne the next time we do this, we should ask folks to give us like the first line of this board game fan fiction, and then the J AI generator will make the rest. Yeah, give us the first line of this fan fiction, and then we'll do the rest. Uh, we'll definitely do this again. So, yeah. um, you know, return the future Dicebreaker podcast episodes. Like I said, we're here every Friday, 2 p.m. BST. You can't miss us. Um, but thank you so much for joining us, everyone. Yeah. Um, if you have enjoyed this, please uh, watch some other videos on YouTube slash Dicebreaker. Go to dicebreaker.com. Uh, we got uh, a great video from Wheels coming out this weekend. Uh, you should watch that. Uh, you can also join Dicebreaker Plus and get access to some 
wonderful membership only videos, including us watching Battleship together and talking about it. Very bad. Yep. Um, other than that, thank you so much for joining me, Chase Carter. Yeah, thanks for having me. Always a good time. Uh, thank you to everyone else for joining me. I've been Alex Meehan. This has been the Dice Breaker Podcast. Uh, stay safe. Uh, most of all, have a lovely day. Bye. Bye.